Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. This is the second week of Advent, and I didn't grow up like accustomed to these or aware of these traditions. I grew up in a very um, uh, free-flowing, Holy Ghost-loving uh, vineyard church that was, you know, yeah, woo. <clears throat> Anybody familiar with the Vineyard Church, Vineyard Movement? Yeah, they're so, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for the Vineyard Movement, but I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot of these traditions. And so Advent season is, uh, I've been discovering some of these traditions over the past year and how they've enriched my life and, and how it makes me appreciate the, the men and women, the saints, the heroes that have gone before us, and to know on whose ceiling I am now standing. You know, from the generations before who've passed down the, uh, the good news of the, of the faith. And so I wanted to make you guys aware that in this very moment, there are a million other voices like mine preaching some of the very same verses, and the world is coming together into an awareness of some of the same things, and we get to be part of it in this moment. John the Baptist is the hero that is being honored all around the world this morning. And John uh, was a guy who was titled a voice. He's a voice crying out in the wilderness. He had uh, a couple messages that he repeated over and over and over. We're familiar with one. I've talked about this before, how John the Baptist came preaching, saying, I baptize you in water, but one is coming after me who is mightier than I, who is before me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he repeated that over and over. And uh, he had that, that core message, and that was uh, the thing that, that kept him dunking. That fool had more dunks than Shaquille O'Neal. He, he dunked, it said all of Israel, when I, like a million people got dunked by John the Baptist. This is, I mean, I can't imagine how tired he, he had strong back muscles, you know, to be standing in the Jordan to dunk that many Hebrews. So anyway, he had this message uh, about uh, this one coming after him who's going to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, which means that like he is dunking people in water, Jesus would come and dunk us into all of God. And then when he saw Jesus, he, he didn't say, behold, the one who is supposed to come after me, who has come to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. He didn't say that, did he? Although that is true, he, he knows that it's him, and that is what Jesus has done for us. But when John the Baptist saw Jesus, something possessed him, and he, he deviated from his normal message, and he said something profound, right? He said, behold, the lamb who's come to take away the sin of the world. It stood out to me that he didn't say sins, of the world. He said, the lamb who took away the sin of the world. Why, didn't he, why not sins, plural? Because God doesn't count sins. God is love, and love keeps no records of wrongs. See, I, I believe that John the Baptist in that moment was identifying the healer the great physician, 
not the great rebuker or the punisher. In that moment, he was saying, there is an all-encompassing deception, disease, and virus in our operating system that this one has come to deal with. He came to take away the very thing that was robbing humanity of friendship with God. He came to show us who God is really like, what God is really like, and to make us think differently about God. And John the Baptist had the task of preparing humanity, (laughs) no big deal, to receive the Messiah. John's message was so important that even though he was a herald, he had a herald of his own named Isaiah. Hundreds of years before, the prophet Isaiah made sure that we wouldn't miss this one who had an important message about making sure we wouldn't miss the one. It would be as if you knew that you were going to get a call from the governor or the the CEO of the job that you really, really, your dream job, or a a phone call from a a highly important person. Well, before that phone call would happen, I bet the assistant to that person would call you and say, on this day, this guy is going to come. And so John the Baptist, if you can hear this, he is like Jesus's assistant, calling us, letting us know that there is one Who's come? We don't want to miss his message. And Isaiah got to tell us all about John the Baptist long before he came in. Uh, Can you turn to Isaiah chapter 40? A voice cries, or there is a voice crying in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places as a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So Isaiah is talking about how John the Baptist is going to come. And John the Baptist is talking about how the Savior is going to come or the Savior is going to be revealed. And this makes me... uh, stand in awe of a God who is able to dream and scheme and and steer creation and humanity to the point where these two specific babies would be born. You're not an accident, are you? Uh, he, He really does wrap skin around his dream, and it's us. He wraps skin around the dream of his heart, which was his son. He wraps skin around the dream of John the Baptist, and they were born. Open up to uh, Matthew chapter 3. There's a party going on over there. If you get jealous of them, just let me know. Like we can... <laughs> We can dismiss early and go party. (laughs) In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent. Repent is metanoia, which is a changing of the way we think. 
recalibrate all of your thinking and let it filter out into the way that you live. That's repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Keep going. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them very kindly, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee the wrath that was to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able, to, able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry or untie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. Let's unpack this together. When John the Baptist is standing in the Jordan River and he's saying, prepare a way. In that moment, he's telegraphing something that all those Israelites would understand, but most of us miss. See, an ancient Israelite would instantly connect the phrase, uh, prepare a way to the nation's exodus from the nation of Egypt and wandering through the desert where the Lord really did prepare a way for them. They would connect this phrase to John prophesying a new kind of exodus, a new kind of leaving our place of bondage. According to the prophet's word, God would perform a new exodus where he would save his people again. So John is actually heralding a new departure from a place where we've been oppressed, which is why he goes out to the Jordan River. Every Israelite there would also know the crossing of the Jordan into the promised land. If you remember from Joshua 4 and 5, the old exodus ended at the river Jordan. They came all the way up to it after they were freed from their place of bondage. And the, the last thing they had to do to get in their promised land was go through the Jordan River and enter into a new better life. And now John the Baptist is standing at the entrance saying, there is a pathway. Prepare. Prepare a way. Because a whole new level of life, a new life is coming on the other side of this. He was dressed in camel's hair, which was an awesome fashion statement. This is uh, actually really cool um, because we, we know that John is known as a new kind of Elijah. Jesus even calls him that in Matthew 11. He, he, Jesus literally says this was 
Elijah, who was to come. And he's speaking of John the Baptist. And the reason why I'm talking about his camel hair robe and his leather belt is because Elijah wore the same thing. I didn't know that until recently. Uh, I was studying this stuff and made this connection that in 2 Kings uh, chapter 1, Elijah wore a garment of hair cloth and a leather belt. And so again, here is John the Baptist. And I don't think he woke up one day and said, I want to look just like Elijah. No, I, I actually believe all this stuff happened on, on accident. Again, the steering of the hand of the Lord. So now here is John the Baptist standing at the entrance to the promised land, looking like Elijah himself. He says that the ax is laid at the root. What's the meaning of this kind of imagery? Well, he's talking, to, he's talking to the religious elite of the day, these children of Abraham, and he's saying to them, I'm going to level the playing field. Your family tree no longer matters. Being born of the right family no longer matters. A new birth is coming and he's saying to them, like, don't take comfort or think that you are superior because you were born Jewish, because a, a new birth is coming to everyone. He's the son of man. Jesus is going to make sons of God from every nation. Isn't this great news? In fact, Jesus predates all the constructs of our nationalities, doesn't he? He existed before them. Before Abraham was, I am. And he's... And he says to these guys, he's kind of, he's poking the bear. And, and he's saying, your lineage makes no difference. If God wanted to, he could make a child out of that rock right there. And he's calling to them to, to repent. And re repentance, as I mentioned, is this radical change in the way that we think about God that leads to a radical change in all of the ways of our life. John had this humility about him. Could you imagine being the most famous person in the world and only talking about someone else and never yourself? He's the most important man ever to be born. Jesus even said, among those born of women, no one has arisen who is greater than John the Baptist. And the keynote speaker, the, the guy with everyone's attention, the guy whose voice everyone wants to hear, He's talking about someone greater than him. I believe that he's setting for us an example that all the greatness that God has placed in us, all the greatness that God placed in John the Baptist, every, every gift, every victory is yet another opportunity to the point to the one who is greater than us. Every stage that he puts us on is an opportunity to shine with his light. In John uh, 3.30, John the Baptist says this about Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. Essentially, in this moment, he's saying everything about my life was to point to this one. And now I'm going to, I'm going to fade away so that all of the attention, all of the shining is on this one man. That every eye would be pointed at him and no longer at me. I am only here to direct everyone's attention to this one person. In fact, take my disciples. Right? Yeah. 
I believe that he was declaring that this man, this, the lamb who would take away the sin of the world is the end goal of all of his effort, of all of his life. And everything good that was in John the Baptist came from this one who is now standing before them. And as a voice crying in the desert, I believe that uh, you know, everything is really simple in the desert, right? There's not a lot of distractions. It, 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 life really boils down to making sure that you can find water, have a good meal. And, and John, that's the place where his message is coming from, a, a life of simplicity. He had a lot of time to think and pray. When we're in any kind of desert, that's what we have, don't we? We have time to pray and think and allow the illumination of the Holy Spirit to search us. In the desert, we have time where we give him space, where he can speak. I believe that one of the messages that the Lord wants to communicate to us this holiday season from the life of John the Baptist is that this Advent season is meant to be a time where we simplify our lives and allow the Lord time to speak, that we would become a voice from the wilderness saying, I found the one thing that is most important like water to my soul. It's a time for family. It's a time for renewing connection. It's a time for re renewing our devotion to Jesus. We get to say no to work, which is great every once in a while, a couple of days here and there where it is nothing but the most important things in our life. Even, even the, we have people this day and age, we have dozens of friends and acquaintances, but those couple of days boil down to the ones that are most important in your life don't they? It's a signpost for us to recalibrate and refocus on not just the, the things that are most important, but the one thing who is more important than anything else, and that is our, our Jesus. We get to close down all of the pop-up windows that are in our brain, you know? All of the tabs that are open, we get to close them down so that all of our bandwidth is being used for this one thing, and it's to be reacquainted with the mystery of the scandalous gospel of Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls. See, John prepared us for this kind of threshing floor, and I know that the threshing floor sounds scary, but let's remember that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance, and it is his gentleness that makes us great, right? And a threshing floor... Uh, it, I know a lot of y'all know this, but if it's, if it's a barn, then to, in order for it to be a threshing floor, they have to open both doors on both sides of the barn to allow the wind to flow through. Because what they're going to do is they're going to throw up in the air with these winnowing fans, the wheat and the chaff, and everything is mixed all together. They throw it up in the air, and as the wind comes through, the wheat is more dense and heavy. It's more weighty, so it falls to the floor, but everything else is swept away. And so I believe that what this, this signifies, it symbolizes us opening the doors of our life in transparency, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through while we just throw up in the air everything in our life. I give you permission this month to just throw everything up in the air and see what lands in your barn. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to flow through and transparency, opening the barn doors of your life also means that you are allowing the illumination of the Holy Spirit to point out things that might be a little bit touchy. It's allowing even stepping out and confiding or confessing to good trusted brothers and sisters the struggles of your life. You're throwing it up in the air and allowing the wind to pass through. It's transparency. It's openness, openness to the Holy Spirit. So I wanna challenge us this season Because when we're a voice in the wilderness, God doesn't leave the wilderness looking the same. He is the guy who makes blossoms in the wilderness, isn't he? Streams flowing in the desert. That's going to be what our life looks like as we begin to, con to continue to open up our lives to the wind of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and pray together. Can I have the ministry team come up? Rafi, can I have someone on keys just laying down the most anointed pad we've ever heard? <laughs> if this message, if you feel the Holy Spirit just tugging on your heart to take another step into this, we have a ministry team here that's ready to receive you, to pray with you, to pray for you, to prophesy over you, to give you hope and courage. Um, but let's just pray as a body together. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the one who searches hearts and minds. You're the one who leads us into all truth. And right now, just, just like that, that threshing floor imagery, God, we're just choosing to throw into the air all the things all the things that have demanded our attention, all the things that we think that we're called to, all the tasks, all the duties, all the roles, we just throw them up in the air in this season and we open the barn doors. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would blow through this room. You would enlighten our eyes, you'd make us wise and you'd blow away all the things that should no longer be. We thank you, Lord for the work of the Holy Spirit.